My son took his own life. He was obviously in a lot of pain. So the only other thing I want to say is, because I've received an, an awful lot of emails, the only thing I want to say is if you're one of those people who really fan, can't fe feel it, that you can't handle it anymore. You know, if you can learn anything from this, it's that there are people out there who really care. You may not think so, and it may not, ultimately it may not be enough, but there are people who really, really care. And before you take that final, make that final decision, check it out again. Welcome to another discussion episode, Flip Switch, the Bipolar and Depression Connection, brought to you by bpkids.org, the Child and Adolescent Bipolar Foundation. My co-host today is... Amy Lynn. Hey, Amy Lynn. What's going on? Nothing. How are you doing today? I am doing swell. However, today is going to be kind of a somber discussion because we've had a big couple of things happen in the media this week. And I thought we'd take the opportunity to kind of talk about them uh, because this is one of the central issues of why there is a flip switch at all. And that is unfortunately uh, the issue of suicide. Now, I think it was in the news recently that a guy named Andrew Koenig, which almost everybody listening is probably too young to remember. There was a show in the late 80s called Growing Pains, family of, I want to say, it was five at one point, and then they added a fourth kid right at the end. The head kid, who was Kurt Cameron, and his name was Mike Seaver. His best friend on the show was this guy named, this guy named Stephen Stabone. And they, they called him Boner. That was his nickname on the show, Boner. And I didn't know this either. His name, real name was Andrew Koenig. Andrew Koenig was the son of... Walter Koenig, the guy who played Chekhov on the original Star Trek for all the Star Trek nerds out there. Unfortunately, uh, he was severely depressed and he went missing. He was last seen on Valentine's Day, February 14th. And then he went missing. Nobody had seen him. People were frantic. His father went on, his father and mother both went on Larry King Live to talk about it. And this is where it gets really bad. In the middle of the interview, they get a call from the police and they leave. The interview and they go uh, and the police have to tell them they found him in a in a park and he had committed suicide and that's uh, pretty pretty sad now he was 41 there's pictures of him on the internet he's not a bad looking guy he's one of America's beloved TV shows he's a beloved character he's been in a, a bunch of other TV shows and things since then he had some stuff going for him, so that is just awful that somebody that was that much going for them goes to that level of depression and checks out. 
It's not a rare occurrence, though, either. No, it's not. Uh, statistics are pretty high on suicide attempts if you have bipolar disorder. If you have depression, it's much lower, but it's still uh, not good. But that was one, and that by itself was enough to talk about. However, we found out, what, it was two days ago? No, even a day ago, that Marie Osmond's son had committed suicide. E! News can confirm that Marie Osmond's 18-year-old son, Michael Blossel, has died, apparently by his own hand. With People.com reporting that the teen leapt to his death around 9 o'clock. Again, just like you probably don't know who, what growing pains is under certain age, you probably don't know who Donnie and Marie are. <laughs> Donnie and Marie are part of the Osmond clan out in Utah. They were a big, Mormons, big Mormon family, and in the 70s they had the Donnie and Marie show, which was, they were teen idols. That's what I would say. They were teen idols, which back then went, was much more of a soft image thing. It's been known that Marie Osmond herself, she was Marie, Donnie Marie. And Donnie and Marie had like, I'm like, I want to say like eight brothers and sisters. It was a huge family. But she had had her own battles with depression. I think she'd even been in the hospital maybe for it. So you have two major suicides occurring very close together of relatively famous people in very tragic situations. One who was 18. And our demographic is roughly 13 all the way to around 22 to 24. So that's, guess what? The age exactly what we're talking about. Now with the uh, Marie Osmond's son, he had left a note saying he had no, he felt he had very few friends. Um, and he had, he found it hard to fit in. And uh, I guess he didn't see a way out of it. Now he had been in rehab, I think at the age of 16. He was 18 when he when he committed suicide. And that's rough. So I thought we should take this opportunity to talk about depression and suicide. I think it occurs, or at least thoughts of it occur, a lot more than people realize. I know it's one of the leading causes of death for the age group 18 to 24. I want to say it's like number three. The third leading cause of death among that age group. It could be. I think car accidents may be number one. I think suicide's number two. No, suicide, I think it's number three. I could be wrong about that. I'll check that. <laughs> of course, it's so common with depression. Like, you rarely see suicide for any other reason. Uh, you see it sometimes on the downswing of a mania, but almost goes hand in hand with depression. How do you think people get to that level? I think it's a matter of a lot of things building up. It just comes to the point where everything is such a struggle and it doesn't seem like anything's improving. It's to the point where there's a helplessness, where there's no idea what to do next. People feel down, but they feel down a lot. You have to assume that people have felt bad before this. They, most of the times they probably didn't just start feeling bad. Yeah. So It becomes to a level, though, that it's hard to think of another option. It's to the point where it's so frequent and so severe that everything seems as if the options have been depleted. It doesn't feel like it's going to get any better. Is that usually true, though? Is it true that people have really depleted all their options? No. no it's at least it's nine not, times out of ten. Yeah, it's not likely that it's true. But at the same time, it feels so overwhelming. It's, it feels been, true. Yeah, it feels true. And when we say it feels true, it feels 
really true. Yeah. He left a note. We found out that Marie Osmond's son left a note to a friend of his. Uh, he left it with somebody, and she had to go find the note. And so we know that he communicated it. Let's say that that happens ahead of time, and she has time to stop him, and you're this person. What would you have said? How would you say that? Because ultimately, the pain that people feel often comes down to some fundamental things that are similar across the board, which is, I am in this horrible feeling state, and I don't want to go on. I think that's one of the hardest situations that you could confront, because there's not any simple rule book of what to say. You definitely don't want to minimize the way the person's feeling because it's something that's very true and very severe for them. Whether even on the outside, it doesn't look as large of an issue. It's still very, very real. And I feel like sometimes just being there is beneficial. Even if there aren't a lot of words exchanged, being there and being able to listen is really helpful because a lot of people feel as if they have nowhere to turn to, no one to go to, no friends. And so just being there and letting them know they're not alone would definitely be helpful. I agree with that. Uh, I think uh, one thing we should note is that there is a, a certain type of personality, and I think a lot of people know this type of personality in some form where they're kind of what you would call drama queens, drama kings, whatever. And they're always saying things like, oh, it's the end of the world. And they may talk about killing themselves. It becomes almost second nature, almost, I don't know how to put this. It becomes almost like just in the back of your mind, like this person doesn't mean it. But that that is not something you should never do. When somebody says, I'm going to kill myself, it's serious. No matter if they're a drama queen, no matter what. Because it's true, a lot of those people are drama queens. And a lot of them are just screaming for attention. But you know who kills themselves a lot? People who are screaming for attention, who they don't mean to kill themselves, but they take some pills or whatever, and they take one too many, and it creates a lot of drama, all right, because they're dead. And even though... If they're talking about it, it's likely that the thought is there. And the more they say that they're going to do it, the more the thought seems seems possible, seems to be an actual option. So I feel like you still need to take it seriously. Never don't take suicide seriously. Whenever somebody says, I'm going to commit suicide or I'm thinking of ending it all, uh, I can't take it anymore type of thing it is time to take it seriously. There's never not a time. And unfortunately that, you know, I'm going to kill myself over this or that to some extent is in our culture is used as a joke. And it's unfortunate. It's not a real funny thing to say, but it is used as a joke too much. And that's something we have to deal with. But you can tell when people mean it as far as they're not just messing around. Can't play with that. Now, the thing about Marie Osmond's son is they said, a lot of the people who knew him at the time said they, he didn't really show a lot of signs. At least that's what we know so far. And that is unfortunately common. And what often happens is family members, they go back and they start remembering little things that they missed. And really it takes a toll on the family because they go, oh, I should have seen this. I should have seen that. I should have, should have, should have, should have. 
And of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. It's true. People do often reach out, but some people just are good at hiding it. That's why you have to take seriously what you can when you can. I want to go back to one thing, though, is that suicide is almost always accompanied by some form of either depression occurring or oncoming depression, meaning you you see the depression coming and you don't want it so much that you check out. The treatment that occurs, intervention by psychotherapists, psychologists for all the all the talk about it, it is extremely effective. Very few people go start talking to the psychologist, even talking to their friends for that long and then go kill themselves. It's just not that common. I think talking to someone about it helps a person stop and actually think about it, weigh the consequences and think about actual other options out there. Right. And the idea is there's not just options, but ways of viewing the world, I think. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later on, which is um, you have to take responsibility for what you're doing and how you can change and how you can live your life. And there may come a point where certain things you have to give up. And that's just the way it is. And and I, I don't mean in any singular way. Like, uh, I think there are certain people who certain things just won't ever be like I will never be a uh, center for the LA Lakers it's not going I'm not going to grow to be seven foot whatever it's just not going to happen and I have to accept that and move on but that is part of becoming an adult as part of kind of making choices and being responsible for your own behavior check back tomorrow for more of Amy Lynn and I's discussion on suicide Remember, you can always get a hold of us at flipswitch at bpkids.org. Also, check out our blog at bpkids.org. Remember, suicide and depression are serious issues. Think long and hard about it. Check it out again. Talk to somebody. And for those families who have members who they fear are susceptible to this kind of behavior, don't ignore it. Don't rationalize it. Extend a hand.